The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone, all of you intentional spirits. It's so great to be back with you today. Our Unity Online Radio has had a couple of weeks of station uh, breaks and uh, well-deserved self-care. We all like to practice that, that's for sure. And here we are again, ready to offer you as intentional spirits, um, great authors, speakers, teachers, healers, practitioners uh, from all walks of life. You know, one of the things about this show is... um, My interest is to offer tools um, rather than rules because rules keep us in an old paradigm and an old way of being, but to offer you tools that can uh, allow you to expand your consciousness, your awareness, to learn how to be more effective in every area of life because it's like that old axiom says, or Bob Dylan might even say on a song, um, if you're not busy living then you're you're busy dying so living is about bringing those changes well one of the things that has made my life uh, more fun and more pleasurable is meeting an individual that so many people know and that is the one and only bob berg Uh, because of him we have learned how to have more of a giving efforted consciousness we have learned the value of you get what you bring bob berg welcome to the show i'm so glad you're here Thank you, Reverend Temple. You are truly one of my favorite people in the world, and I just love every time we get a chance to chat. Oh, and and, and I do you too. I, I you. tell you, um, I so value uh, your teaching. And a number of our listeners are tuning in with us, uh, Bob, you know, in other countries and uh, all over the world, really, and the beauty is that they often add their comments on Facebook, so... Every now and then I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. I'll connect with you about something that they either want to say about you, how you've changed their lives, or something that they're curious about. How oh. did you get into this line of work? I mean, uh, what is there a defining moment that happened with you uh, early on? Well, I, I actually began as a, a broadcaster. Uh, I started out in radio doing sports. And then I had an opportunity, and I was about 24 years old at the time, very young, and I had an opportunity to, uh, and I was trying to find a job in, in, in sports on television. Uh, it wasn't quite happening, so I, I kind of got an in through a, a, a break, if you will, that, um, that I took advantage of in, in which I was able to, to get a job as a, a newscaster, which was sort of out of my element, but I figured I could probably do it. And, um, and so I, I ended up going to a very small town in, in Midwestern U.S., a uh, very small market, 
uh, and it was an ABC affiliate, and started there as a broadcaster on on television doing the news. But I really, you know, I really wasn't that good at it. Uh, I thought it was something I'd be able to figure out. But you know, I was I was 24 years old. I didn't have much of a a nose, if you will, for the news, and didn't have a great understanding of it. And um, and I can't say that I really cared at the time either. I think I was really just, I wanted to, to, to be at, you know on television do, uh, really doing sports, and, and news was sort of a way to get there. And that's, you know, sometimes it is good to, to take that opportunity to get your foot in the door, even if it's not exactly where you want to be, and make the move over. But, you know, by the time I did news for about a year and a half, I also realized I didn't really want to be a sportscaster either. So that, I think I would have liked to have been a game show host, but at that time, you know, in that small of, mar- of a market, that wasn't an option, and uh, it wasn't something where I wanted to, to um, you know, to take the time to attempt to do. So I got into sales. I like to say I graduated into into sales. But I think even when we we look at even the first part of what happened, there's there are lessons there. Because when I, first of all, when I was trying to get a job in in sports uh, on television, um, I was sending resume tapes. Now, this is, you know, again, 40 years ago. So back then it was resume tapes that you sent. I don't even know if they do that anymore. It's probably all online. But back then it was resume tapes that you sent out. So typing them up every day, sending them out. And when I'd come back from work, uh, you know, the first thing I'd ask my mom is, so, Mom, how many uh, rejection letters did I get today? <laughs> because every day it was three or four of them. And, you know, it was just the way it is. But that's okay because you realize that anything you're going to do that has any significance, there are going to be no's along the way. Um, and it's not that we have to enjoy the no's. It's that we have to just understand that it's part of life. And as long as we recognize that, you know, I really believe that in business and or any anything someone wants to do, what what knocks people out of the game early when when they when they maybe have the potential to do some great things is not the amount of no's that they get; it's that they think they're the only ones getting those no's. That's a and big point. That's yeah. a big point, Bob. I, I think we ought to repeat that one. <laughs> well, it, it's you know when 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 people get into either a business or some type of opportunity or or something anything that they're doing in their pursuit of happiness and it's something significant. It's and and what I think knocks people out of the game early, much earlier than need be, when they may have otherwise gone on to do great things and have great successes. It's not the number of no's that they get. It's not getting told no. It's not getting the no's. It's thinking that they're the only person getting those no's. And so what happens is they look at the people who already are, you know, where they want to be, you know, where the person looking in wants to be, and they think, oh, you know, either they had it easy or they got lucky or, or you know, people just said yes to them or, you know, it was a different time or the market was different or whatever, and that's typically not the case. Usually those people who are where we want to be, they got there by, well, following a system, doing the right things in the right way, but they also got a lot of rejection. They got a lot of no's. And, again, it's not some positive thinking thing where, oh, okay, you 
it's it's fine. Be happy about the no's. No, I don't know of anybody who likes to be told no. But <laughs> it's a part of life, and as long as we know it is, then it's okay. So you know, I got the rejection letters, and then what happened was, um, and when I say it was a, a lucky break that I got the the news job, it was luck, but it was luck that I think I created through action, which is important. Because what happened there, what happened was where I went to school, um, a, a friend's uh, husband had passed away. And uh, so another friend, a mutual friend, asked if I wanted to drive to the funeral with them. And I, it was a long, long drive, and it was really not something I wanted to do. But I really felt as though I, you know, I needed to support the you know the the wife who was a friend of ours and so I did and I went and it just turned out that at that funeral at, you know as we were meeting people one of the people there her son had just gotten a job at a weatherman as a weatherman at that at this particular station and he had just told her on the phone that their news person had just left so she said why don't you you know uh, call and see if they have an opening and if you can send a tape and I did, and I got the job. Now, it turned out not to be the job that I wanted, though it led me to, to great things. You know, it led me to doing something that I, I may never have gotten to do without that happening. So all these things along the way, we can say it's luck, it's divine providence, it's, 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 and it's, it's all, you know, that maybe. It, it, it's how we, you know, how we, uh, you know, choose to manifest, and all that's true. Um, it's everything. But it, it also means that we... We do our part in taking the action that makes things happen, and that when they do happen, we're ready for them, and we take action on it. And it doesn't have to be the right thing, necessarily, because we can always course correct. But what happened is leading me into that whole thing about broadcasting, leading me into sales, turned out to be wonderful for me because that turned out to be my niche and I studied sales and learned it and did well with it and then from there started showing others how to do the same and and then I I started a speaking business teaching sales and and it, that kind of morphed into teaching things I really loved such as influence and people skills and you know through that got to co-author with John David Mann to write the go-giver so all these things happened because uh, you know it kind of decided what I wanted to do didn't get discouraged. Well, I got discouraged sometimes, but the yeses by the noes, but realized that it's part of it, so did it anyway. Got a break, and, and things went this way and that way, and eventually it all works out. <laughs> well, you know, one of the, the points that, that you made about, about your path, or that I would say about my path, and um, we certainly are inviting comments from many of you about your own, it's, I think that, I think there's a key thing um, that's a clear distinction no matter where you are in your life is to stay in a place of, of moving forward stay in a place of, of some type of action not necessarily like forcing you know right. push 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 we're not talking about pushing the law we're not saying you know the divine uh, pushy busy making. But to still be putting uh, forth a, a forward movement, I, I had that experience uh, very recently that I had uh, two or three people very close to me um, die very suddenly. And, you know, I was keenly aware, Bob, of the level of grief that I was uh, experiencing. I still have some of that going on. 
and honoring that because that's a part of our humanity. But at the same time, I started going into a, you know, like a, a workout program, like, a, you know, I didn't go become a couch potato. You know, I didn't like go get in the cave. And I think that often that's what people misunderstand about what we're uh, wanting to teach. Um, it's, it's like you said so beautifully. You're not walking around all Pollyanna like everything is just wonderful and marvelous. And, you know, I say yes to everything. But we also are, are putting feet forward. We're moving forward. We're, we're staying in that place of that energetic field because even, like you said, if it's not the most perfect thing that we are finding, we're a step closer to it. And eventually, in that movement, it will find us. Does that? Did I make any sense at all? I felt like I was on a roll there. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yes, absolutely. That's so a, that's exactly it. And that's how your uh, career was shape shifted. Is that you would you would say yes, and and I'm and and we wind up using all of the tools anyway, don't we? Yeah, that's so true. You know, it's interesting because I, at the TV station I was at, it was a very, very small market. So you had to know how to do everything. There were times I had to shoot my own stories and produce them and do my own video and do this. And I needed to learn how to put together a story, how to put together a package. Well, although I, I certainly, you know, didn't go very far in the news business, um, as a speaker and as an author, you know, I, I do interviews and have done interviews forever. And the experience I got from that helped me so much in knowing how to work a camera, knowing what was expected from me, you know, by the host, knowing when I was interviewed, how certain things, how certain phrases were going to come out, how to, you know, so, so the experience was absolutely, for me, just worth its weight in gold, even when I was doing something that had nothing to do with that first job. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, we're... We're in our 10th year of, of The Go-Giver, are we not? Yeah, we're coming up to the 10th year anniversary uh, later this year. Absolutely. Very exciting. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations on a book that has uh, transformed uh, millions of, of lives. I, oh. I follow you on, on Twitter, uh, and I'm always reading about the various places you're going and some of the experiences. and. And people that are giving their their personal comments um, or attaching something to that 140 character. We can't get too windy on there, that's for sure. But it, it's so great to see all the things happening. Go Giver is a it's 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 the book that all of us have somewhere close by on a shelf. How did that How did that book um, come into um, manifestation? What What's the story behind it? Well, years ago, when I first got into speaking, about maybe I was in it about three or four years, and I, some of my, for well, a bunch of people at National Speakers Association had, were, they were talking about the fact that you know you should really write a book. It's going to help you to get uh, more positioning in the marketplace, be positioned as an expert, help you get more engagements, higher fees, you know, all good things. And um, and I thought, well, you know, that that sounds like a good idea. Now I really didn't want to write a book. Uh, I mean, it wasn't something I didn't not want to write a book. It just wasn't something I was really thinking of doing at the time. Um, 
um, I did have a, a, a cassette tape program, right? This is how far ago it was, not even CDs. These were cassette tape albums, we used to call them. And I used to have those that I would make available at some of my programs and so forth. But I thought, okay, so we'll... Uh, you know, explore the idea of a book, and it was, and and the topic I was really speaking on mostly at the time was called endless referrals. It was how to help salespeople who who didn't, uh, you know, feel comfortable going out there and meeting people and creating relationships. How to help them do that in a way that was very non-threatening, both to them and to their prospective customers and clients and so forth. And so, uh, it happened to be that one of the people there at at the uh, meeting intro uh, was a very kind enough to introduce me to his agent, and uh, the agent liked the idea of the book, and uh, we ended up selling that to uh, a publishing house. It was called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. Now, the basic premise of that book was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And that's sort of always been my, uh, in a sense, my the premise behind everything I've done and taught and so forth. So through that was a, a traditional how-to book, and it, it has sold very well. And, um, and, but through the years, I'd read lots and lots of parables and always enjoyed them. Because parables, as you know, are, they're usually short stories and they make a point and they connect with people because stories connect. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if we could take the basic no like and trust the premise of, of endless referrals and put that into a, uh, a parable? And I thought, okay, so what, how, you know, in a nutshell, how do you create those no like and trust relationships? Well, you're always giving. You're always giving value to others. You're always, you're focused on giving value to others. Uh, understanding that when, that when you do that, uh, you know, that, that creates that environment where the no like, and trust takes place and so forth. So, um, yeah, I came up with the title, The Go-Giver, and, and a very um, sketchy outline and characters and so forth. But I, I realize that writing a work of fiction, because I'm really, you know, I'm a how-to author. I'm step one, step two, step three. Uh, I realized that that writing the fictional story really I wasn't going to be able to do it justice. And now, fortunately, the editor in chief of one of the magazines I was writing for at the time was John David Mann, who is an absolutely brilliant and talented writer and storyteller, and he's a fantastic guy. and And I asked, and back then, John wasn't very well known outside a specific niche. Uh, there were, you know, a select group of us who knew how great he was, but you know, he was. Now you can go into a a, a um, a bookstore, and there's five or six books at the same time on the New York Times bestsellers list that John has either ghostwritten or co-authored or what have you. But back then, that wasn't the case. But he was still busy. But uh, you know, I asked him if he would consider uh, co-authoring the book and being the lead writer, storyteller. And when I, Reverend, when I say I, I asked him, what I mean is I pleaded with him. <laughs> I mean, I really wanted him to. So he and his, at the time, fiance, now uh, his wife, Anna, they were over actually in your neck of the woods. They were over in Tampa uh, visiting her mom. And um, so they, they drove over across the state to Jupiter, Florida, where I live, and we had about a three- or four-hour dinner and talked about uh, the book and what we thought it could be. And about three, you know, he, they went home to think about it. And about three weeks later, he called back and he said, I think we've got something here. And so we, we wrote the story, but I got to tell you, we got rejected again, going back to the, the, the nose, right? 25 or 26, excuse me, different publishers rejected the book. 
So, again, it's that same kind of thing. But we, we felt like we really had something there. But, we, but here's something else, though, that, that I think is important. Although when they rejected the book, you know, some of it was for, well, we just don't do those kind of books. Some of it was, yeah, we like the story, but not quite. And some were, we just don't like the story. And some were, well, we think you should do this or that. We always listened to the feedback. Now, we didn't always take their advice because we knew some of it wasn't necessarily constructive. But the, the part that was, was. And so we kept on working on the book and improving it over that year. So when the perfect publishing partner portfolio, which is a division of, of Penguin Random House, uh, when they finally came along, and they've been a wonderful publishing partner, just so supportive. It's just fantastic. Uh, but when they came along, everything was ready, right? So everything led to what it was supposed to be. But we never just stopped and said, okay, well, we're going to just leave it up to the universe, you know, um, because uh, you know, there's a there's a saying in in uh, there's a, a word in in Hebrew called hishtadlus, and tr- uh, loosely translated, it means the human effort in partnership with God's will. And so, what that means is, yes, ultimately, it's up to God, it's up to the universe, it's up to the things that are maybe beyond our control. But we still need to do the hishtadlus. We still need to make the effort. And so, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, again, after a year, we finally found these great publishers, thanks to our agent and and so forth. And, um, you know, it's been a it's been a good ride. It it is. It's a perfect example of um, how uh, you continue to move forward, uh, regardless of the the feedback and the um, commentators that were were saying otherwise. Um, how many um, copies of the book have we sold thus far? I know that I was contacted a, a year or two ago because um, we had reached the 500,000 mark, right? Yeah, and you were so kind to provide a, a blurb, and endorsement on it. We just absolutely treasure that, and, and we can't thank you enough. Um, it's it's now over six hundred and fifty thousand. It's it's approaching seven hundred thousand, but we're going to wait till it hits seven hundred and fifty thousand before we kind of say, okay, it's seven hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> I love it. That's so great. That is that is so cool. Um, I'm I'm talking with Bob Bird. For those of you that are just coming on, um, he is noted for many things in the sales industry and teaching you uh, how to have a strong influence and connect and and take advantage of your warm market, all your referrals and people that you know. But he really put his work on the map when he did the book, um, The Go-Giver, and has had many other books uh, related. You can go to Bird, that's V-U-R-G dot com, and I encourage you to do that, and you can find out about various things that he does. We're going to have him in St. Petersburg, Florida, in 2018 for his new book launch. So be sure and stay tuned and stay connected so when you can find out when that is. Because everybody, right, Bob, wants to come to Florida. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I so love living here. You know, I grew up in Massachusetts, and and you know, it's a great place, but it's cold. And so, uh, you know, when people ask, how long have you been in, in South Florida, I always say, well, I've, you know, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, but got here as fast as I could. And, yes. it, you know, and, and it's just, it's, again, it's not that there's anything wrong with Massachusetts, it's a, a wonderful place. But, boy, I just love the, the year-round warm weather. It just, I, I, every day I, I just live in gratitude that I'm down here. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm very, very grateful and um, we're, we're, we're blessed. There's no, no doubt about it. Um, 
talk about the the go giver leader because uh, we have we have hopefully and knowingly we have so many more people now that are stepping up to authentic leadership. Sure. And rather than being on the sidelines, I was using that um, kind of story. Uh, the other Sunday, uh, Bob, I know you know this, being um, affiliated with sports, and it, it, it goes something like this, that every baseball team can benefit from the guy that never strikes out, that always hits a home run, that you know has the greatest attitude and everything. The problem is you just can't get him to come down off the stands <laughs> because he's too busy up there watching the game and and having his hot dog. Um, that's and funny. so, you know, <laughs> I know, that's so cute. Um, but having said that, we are calling for more people to, um, I, I think one of the things in, in my line of work, and I'm sure in, in yours, is is often people get so much on this self-help training, and it's beautiful. I mean, I'm a firm believer of it. It's shifted and catapulted in my life, but I do think, you know, there's a certain point that you get to a place that you know you are enough, you, you know that uh, for the most part, of, aside from being a, you know, a human being and that you're always going to have some type of challenge as long as you're breathing and living on the side, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. time for you to step up and speak out and take a stand uh, and be a difference maker. Um, talk about your book. The go-giver leader. Sure. Well, and you you bring up such wonderful points. And I think Andy Andrews, who is a great speaker and writer and has written some some wonderful books, uh, I once heard him say that, uh, and this is based on what you said about where there's always going to be challenges uh, while we're living. He said, in life, one of three things are always happening. Uh, You're either uh, entering into a problem living through a problem or coming out of a problem. <laughs> Sometimes it really seems like that. And it's, uh, you know, it, it was such a clever observation. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think with leadership, it comes down to that everything is leadership in one way or another. When you think about it, and I, yeah, John uh, Maxwell, the great leadership teacher, has said that leadership is influence. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. And 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 really, you know, if we take the word influence uh, and we define it on a, a very basic level, influence can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. And what that means is that that how we move people, we we need to do in two ways. Because when we talk about moving people, moving people to an idea that's going to be better for everyone, right? I mean, you think of all the inventions that have been, that have come about, that have actually made the world a much better place. People had to be moved to action. Uh, People had to be influenced to try that idea, to do that thing. And and eventually, if it was supposed to happen, then it it began, it it, it continued and continued and continued. But someone somewhere had to lead someone else and get things started. And so that's why influence is so important. But influence can be, you know, we say, well, influence, it's moving other people. Okay, that's fine. That's the definition. But it's not really the essence, I don't believe. I believe. 
believe the essence of influence, we could say of leadership, of influence, the essence is pull, uh, as opposed to push. You know, you never hear someone say, wow, that Dave or that Mary, she is such a great, uh, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. She sure is pushy. Wow, what a great influencer. What a great leader. No, you wouldn't hear that. You'd say she has a lot of pull because that's what leadership, that's what influence is. It's pull. It's an attraction. Great leaders, great influencers attract people first to themselves and then and only then to their idea. And then with great leaders, what we would call a go-giver leader or a go-giver influencer, the way they would attract and the way they would build these relationships is by asking themselves questions such as, you know, how does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their wants, their needs, their desires? How does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does what I want this other person to do align with their values? And when we ask ourselves these questions uh, intelligently, thoughtfully, genuinely, uh, as you said, authentically, right? Um, what happens is, you know, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, of course not, but as a way to help build everyone in the process. Well, now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment. What a lot of people try to do, leaders and influencers, they try to do this through compliance, And it's just very, very difficult to lead or influence others through compliance, at least in a sustainable way. Because the only way you can lead through compliance or influence through compliance is through force. If this person has to do what you tell them. But we know that when that's the case, they're only going to do what they're told for as long as they have to. And then they're going to find some way to sabotage it. They're going to find some way to resist it. They're going to find, and this is why... You know, when we say that, that, you know, influence, the great leadership is never about the leader. Great influence is never about the influencer. And great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. It's always about the other person. It's about those people you choose to lead. It's about those people whose lives you choose to touch with the exceptional value you provide. And that's really what we're talking about uh, in terms of, of go-giver leadership. That's that's awesome, Bob, and we're getting a, a number of comments, and I'm, I'm going to oh, ask all of you. you on Facebook Live that are tuning in to us right now to write in the comments section what you think a great leader is, what you feel are some of the mm. qualities of a leader. And uh, Elizabeth from Norway who's um, with us today, big shout out to you, and um, she's saying that you know leadership is leading by by example. And uh, I know you're a, a very uh, strong believer in that, Bob. I, I know that I am. I, I choose to only talk about and share and express the things that I feel with the best of intention that I'm actually sitting in. I love that idea of, of Gandhi not telling that young boy that he had mm. to quit eating sugar. He told the mom to come back and aggravated at him. Like, why didn't you tell him the first time? And he said, because I had to go home and I had to get off sugar myself. So it is very powerful when, when we align with uh, leaders that are, you know, really committed to. 
Sure, that's that congruency. You know, that's that congruency. And, And I think people can sense when someone is congruent or not congruent. And I, I, I love the other uh, part of, of what you said, and, and because I think that that's a very strong thing that often people don't realize, especially that people that when they lead, they talk at people. You know, I'm just going to tell them this point, and I'm going to tell them this idea, and you know, they're they're going to get it. I, I think that's very admirable, but to me. I've always wanted to hold the space that people are telling me because if they're telling me, that means that they've already assimilated it, they've already worked through it, and they are really learning it on their on their own, right? I mean, it's the difference between, you know, fishing for someone and then, you know, of course, watching them fish themselves. But I, I love that key point that you made because I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of that. We hold the space to share with people that there are different possibilities. It's up to them to know that they are possible. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and by the way, I you know, on the, the Facebook Live, I I am not on your Facebook Live page because I didn't know how to get on it. So I don't want people, to, if, if people are, are commenting and asking questions and they're not hearing from me, that's the reason why. I don't want them to think I, I'm ignoring them. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> so I just want them to know that I, I was trying to figure out kind of how to get on your page. And I'm not the most technical person in the world, as you know. And, and so I, I decided, you know, it was better to, to keep um, just engaged in the conversation and not try to multitask and, and, and find out how to get on. So I just want everybody to know, in case you're saying something to me or, or at, uh, you know, Rab, uh, Rabbi Temple, Re- Reverend Temple. <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest to be a rabbi, no problem. So she'll let me know and and, uh, so forth, but but please don't think I'm not not acknowledging you. I I sure will, and the executive producer, Andrea, she'll make sure that everybody knows, and and we'll also type into our comments uh, page, uh, berg.com, so they can stay in touch with you. Oh, thank you. Absolutely, and you and I, we come around ever so many months anyway, and and Absolutely. what Bob and I are planning the next time around is we're both going to be uh, live on Facebook. And also, Bob, I want to have you on my new television show called The Intentional Spirit. Could I get you to be interested in that and come and visit me or me come and visit you and Jupiter and let's pull that off? I would oh, just... I, I can't wait. But, of course, you, anything that you suggest, anything I ever have a chance on doing with you, the answer is always yes before you even ask it. So, so that's, oh. that's not even an issue. Oh, what a blessing. Okay, so we'll get and, with you for a, a firmed update on when that would work. And oh, I love it. And work. can I give you just another URL uh, along with Berg.com? If, Please, um, yes. If, if, they'd, if they'd like to check out The Go-Giver without the um, hyphen, thegogiver.com, uh, I also have a podcast on there. And for people who haven't read the book, there's a, they, can get, they can get a free chapter. On there, so they can see if they even uh, you know enjoy it and, and uh, like where the story's going. Absolutely. So everyone, please make note of that. And it's thegogiver.com. Yes. Right, Bob? Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. And we want to mention that again as we are you know when we get to the point of closing our show because that that's key. Um, are there 
when we're talking about the go-giver leader, do do you elaborate in in the book about some attributes or are part of the the path and how we how we gain more ability? Tell tell us more about that. We have a lot yeah. of interest. Well, there are four, four, or excuse me, five laws uh, within the book I- itself. The first one is is sort of uh, you know uh, that I think pretty much every leadership book, if you will, um, covers, which is uh, you know hold the vision. But rather, than, but it's hold the vision rather than just have the vision, because while vision is very, very important for a leader, of course, you you have to know where you're going and where you're looking to lead others. Um, it's holding the vision that is so important because anyone can have a vision. We can all have a vision. Holding the vision can be difficult when things go awry. And as we were talking about, you know, if we're going to be real world about it, things will go awry because that's life, <laughs> right? And there are going to be challenges. And so but what will happen is as the leader, it's going to be incumbent upon you to hold that vision when things go a bit sideways, because everyone who is following you, you know, all of your followers as well as the people who you're, who maybe are followers right now, but who you are developing into leaders, who you're also teaching how to develop other leaders, right now everyone's watching you to see how you're going to respond to the situation. So it's so important for you to continue to hold that vision regardless of what's happening, which, by the way, doesn't mean that you're dishonest or that you say, oh, yeah, things are going great, blah, 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 what happened? No, it doesn't mean that at all. There's a time and place for everything. And while you want to be encouraging, you also can let them know what's happening and what the current situation is. But what you're doing as a way to remedy that, and that's how you're going to, um, to bring them into the fold to help them be a part of the solution as, as, as opposed to uh, part of the problem. So holding that vision is so very important. The, uh, the, the next one, next law is build your people. And that's really the essence of leadership when you think about it. Leaders, the, the great leaders, um, they, they truly care about their people. Now, it's not just a slogan. You know, we see this all the time, right? You know, we care about our people. People are our greatest assets. But if you ever, you know, actually go in and observe what's going on, you find out that that's really nothing more than a slogan. And so build your people is absolutely key. Uh, Bob Chapman is the... Uh, is the CEO of a major manufacturing firm uh, based out of St. Louis called Barry Waymiller. And you think about it, it's a, a huge manufacturing conglomerate. If there's any type of business that would be totally commodity-oriented, it would seem to be that. And yet, what he has done is he has built a magnificent business by absolutely, totally focusing on building his people by making sure they, not only are they trained well and taught well and encouraged, uh, but they, they really feel as though they're part of the family. You know, it's not just lip service. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's and, and can I tell you a, a quick story about him from his book, Everybody Matters? I also interviewed him on, on uh, actually it was before I had a podcast, it was when I was interviewing people on my blog, but a, a very quick story about, about Bob from please, his book. Yeah, please do, yeah. 
it, it's how he became the leader he became. Um, he when he first started uh, running that company, he was very much like most other leaders. He was he was very focused on the on the dollars and cents, the bottom line, and and uh, and so forth. And you know he had a, a a healthy business, but it was also a business that was always having its ups and downs, and you never knew if it was going to su- survive the latest you know disaster. But what happened is he was attending a wedding. Uh, his his the wedding was the daughter of his best friend. Uh, and at the wedding, the father of the bride, Bob's friend, was making a toast. And as part of the toast, he was welcoming the, the groom, the daughter's husband, into the family. And he, he did a lovely toast, you know, welcoming him and making him feel part of the family and so forth. And, and Bob said that it was interesting because of the father of a daughter. He knew what was really going on inside that inside his friend's head. What he was really saying was, young man, this is our daughter. This is the young woman who my wife and I raised and nurtured and encouraged and loved. She is our precious child. That's really what he was thinking, right? And at that very moment, Bob Chapman had an epiphany. And that is, he said to himself, at Barry Waymiller, we have tens of thousands of employees, and each one of those tens of thousands of employees is somebody's treasured son or daughter. Wow. And we need to treat them as such. And, That's you know, powerful. oh, yeah. And during the um, financial meltdown, where a lot of their clients were going out of business and it set their business back and they you know they had that choice were they going to stick with what they had said uh about the you know their values for for the company and their people or were they going to just lay off everyone and meanwhile give bonuses to the well no they held very very true to what they espoused and uh everyone shared in the pain uh but then you know but everybody understood that that Bob and his team of leaders cared about them and that they had their back and so everyone stayed everybody pitched in everybody did what they could and they recovered and just were stronger than ever that's a beautiful story yeah it's one of my favorites and Bob Chapman is just a delightful human being he's really just you know really what a leader is all about. And he was also featured, his story was featured in Simon Sinek's excellent leadership book, um, Leaders Eat Last. And what's interesting is I think Simon had in his, uh, in his book what I believe is the best definition of trust that I've ever read. And what he said, what Simon said is that trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. And when we believe that someone has our, and again, it's a biological reaction, it's a feeling. And when we believe someone has our well-being at heart, we'll go to the mat for that person. We will, we will, you know, do what we have to. We will follow that person. I like that. I I want to I want to hold that one again. It's a biological reaction. Yeah, yeah the That's single so- greatest uh, or excuse me, trust is a trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. 
That's powerful, Bob. That's very powerful. Yeah, uh, uh, just a, a wonderful quote from Simon's book. It was really one of my favorite leadership books. Bob Chapman's and Simon's were two of my favorite uh, leadership books. But, you know, it's, so it, it's interesting because we think of of this and we think of, of people skills, which I think is such a very important aspect of leadership. Because, you know, let's face it, so people skills are uh, the difference maker uh, between the successful and the really the highly successful. And I always, you know, I always had great examples because I was, I was uh, brought up by two very wonderful parents um, and, and who, who I, would, I would say were the, and still are, the ultimate embodiment of, of go-givers. Um, but my dad and I are sort of similar in that where both he was very much in the public eye when he was, uh, you know, a younger uh, a business person, and uh, and so I always saw him dealing with people, and I learned my greatest lessons from watching him. And what I think about, you know, when it comes to people skills, as as important as they are to you know to to learn, the single greatest people skill is simply a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. And that's what I always noticed about my dad. When he was talking to someone, my dad's goal was genuinely for this person to feel good about themselves. And to me, you know, people can sense it. People can tell it. And, you know, my dad was always the type. He'd go somewhere once and, you know, everybody loved him. But that was really, and it was very natural for him. I, You know, for me, I got to learn it, and I'm not sure that I have that natural thing with that as much as it, it's something that I worked on and developed. But with my dad, it, it really was natural, uh, you know, his, his love of others and his desire to really, you know, benefit others. It's like the uh, Covey statement, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? It just... Um, that, that presence and that, that power. You're yeah, very fortunate that you had those uh, good models. And oh, thank you. Yeah, us had good models of what not to be. And that, Pardon? Uh, those are very powerful models, too. Oh, thank you. Yes. want to be. Some yeah. of us have had a few of those as well. Well, through, the, um, through our time together, which is always so valuable, it always goes by so quickly, um, I just love connecting with you. Um, Bob, leave us with, you know, what you know for sure or how being part of the go-giver phenomenon has has changed your life. Leave us with that, those final words from you. Well, you know, I, I think it has really um, implanted or maybe confirmed that uh, you know, that to the degree that you can move from an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus, looking for ways to bring value to others, that's the degree to which your own success and your own happiness is, is going to be assured. And, you know, when we say focus on others, that doesn't mean you should be anyone's doormat or, or a martyr or self-sacrificial. To me, that comes from a, a position of lack. No, we mean that you simply act congruently with your values all the time and that a high value for you is bringing value to other people. And when we do that, you know, it's that old saying, it's that tide that raises all ships and creates an even more abundant universe for all. 
Well, it's it's a pleasure always having you. Um, I want to encourage all of you to go to burgburg.com or thegogiver.com. Thegogiver.com because Bob does some amazing podcasts and um, such great teaching from that particular website. I really appreciate all of you. Because of you, we are featured all over the world, and people are aware of our show. We're so grateful for that. We're grateful for those of you that continue to contribute to Unity Online Radio, so we are part of the awakening world. where The world is awakened, and we're just lining up with that consciousness and that idea. And thank all of you for sharing the video that we do here on Facebook Live because you're introducing us to a lot of new friends and making a lot of new connections. Don't forget, I love to hear from you during the week and also to find out various um, great guests that you would like for us to have. Bob, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and feel so blessed to, to just connect with you. Once again, you are an inspiration, and I know I'm inspired today, so I'm, I'm certain that all of our, our listeners are as well. Thank you, Reverend Temple. I appreciate you so greatly. And bless all of you. Thank you for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you here, right here on Facebook Live. Um, stay tuned. Thank you so much. Bless you. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Dorothy Day, a co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement in America, called for not a revolution of arms, but a revolution of the heart. Since the beginning of our nation, the American Revolutionary War, and long before that actually, there's not been a time without conflict somewhere in the world. Makes you stop and think, doesn't it? Certainly we live in challenging times. Each day brings seemingly limitless opportunities to take offense. And each opportunity offers me a choice. I can give a knee-jerk response in fear or anger, or I can choose consciously to respond in love. My choice may seem insignificant. After all, I'm only one person. But as history has taught us, one person can make a difference. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website 
at www.unity.org. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. 
This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central. 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. 
Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.